I'm your host, Tyrone. And I'm Desiree. And we are not not your attorneys. So in this segment of... Who said that? Who said that? What's going on with you, Desiree? So I really want to go to the Ariana Grande concert. And... Ooh, okay. So are you like a (laughs) ponytail or you just happen to like some of the new stuff? See, I love the new album. Like, I know the song with Mac Miller... (laughs) But anything else, I don't really know unless it was a major hit. But this last album, oh, I get my complete life. Like, yeah. thank you, Next. I listen to it at least once a week. Well, that is, as we say, one of the bops of, like, <laughs> the last decade, I would say, that we, this will be a standout song for me, at least, in Ariana. Um, and what was it? So the last album was called Thank You, Next, the whole mm-hmm. album. But then the one before that. Um, sweetener. sweetener. I also got my life to that because I'm a mm. big Pharrell stan. So I don't think I've listened to that album. Is that the one with the lightest coming on it with Nicki? Yes. So oh, has, well, that's the only song I know from the album. What other song would I know? <laughs> so it depends on what you're in the mood for. Successful is a good one. Never heard it. Um, that is very like Pharrell wrote that um, one. Type I of was song. really surprised why that that the uh, tour was called Sweetener um, because I was like her last album is Thank You Next Sweetener. I, when I saw the promo, I was like, this is old. And I was like, oh, these albums came out back to back, very close. Like, I was like, somebody trying to get out of a contract. <laughs> yeah, Sweetener came out I think in like I don't know, like August of last year, and mm. then Thank You Next came out in like December. Mm. Um, but you, if you listen to them, they're like handshakes. So, okay. I mean, I understand. Like, I, I'll go to that concert with you. Yes. Well, <laughs> we are going to be at the Ariana Grande concert in June because Fake Smile is my song. Let me, <laughs> let me see what else. Oh, oh, Seven Rings is good, but that ain't my one. Yeah, I'm going to tell you my like, okay, I it, it grew on me. It grew on me because I knew she had some fraudulent activity going on. I mean, I like Oh, it. okay. In My Head. In mm. My Head is my song. When Ariana Grande says, look at you, boy, I invented you, Gucci tennis shoes, running from your issues. I'm like, yes, because we all step our man's game up every time. Needy, Bloodline. Oh, yeah, love those. This whole album. It goes pretty hard. So I am going to agree with you and say, um, yeah. Thank you, Nick. Or Sweetener is going to have to be on my schedule as well. So let me know when you're trying to go. Yes. Um, but also, you know, I just got back from vacation and um, it was amazing. And where did you go? New Orleans. Okay. So all I can say is the food's delicious. The weather is hot. Mm-hmm. Too hot. And it's always good to see some old friends. So, yeah, I'm refreshed and rejuvenated. Yeah, I was in Cali. Um, I went, of course, to the Bay, my hometown. Got hyphy one time. Visited some wineries in Napa and just got messed up a little bit. So it was, <laughs> it was a little good time. Uh, like you said, good weather, good food, good people. And, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I still don't know why I'm in New York, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's a question that I think at least you ask yourself like once a month 
because <laughs> New York really takes you there. Right. Um, no matter what it is. But I mean, New York summers, we're happy. We're, we're happy. Here. We you love the New York summer. We're but here. after this, I don't know. <laughs> but we actually have some real things to talk about today. So let's jump right into the first topic. Let's talk about the FCC regulations. This new lawsuit can kind of impact how we talk about curse words in the radio, on broadcast, and kind of in trademark. Yeah, and it's sort of interesting because most people think FCC is over like everything that has to do with content. And it's sort of a very specific lane that they are in charge of. And, you know, that's like radio world, broadcast television world, yeah, um, and a couple of other things here and there. But if you notice, cable has gotten a lot more scandalized recently mm-hmm. with some of the words you hear said on like FX and, you know, HBO is not a part of that world. But again, it's cable. It's not broadcast. So in 1978, in the case Federal Communications Commission, FCC, versus Pacifica Foundation, the Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of the FCC's declaratory order determining that an afternoon radio broadcast featuring curse words would be indecent and potentially sanctionable. This decision was based on comedian George Claren's monologue, which determined that the words shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits as things you can never say on television. (laughs) This case is called into question based on a recently filed lawsuit, Ian Koo versus Brunetti, which concerns the prohibition of scandalous and immoral trademarks. Mm, Trademarks, yeah, we just talked about that. (laughs) Right. The nine Supreme Court justices are considering whether refusal by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office to register F-U-C-T, or fucked, (laughs) a brand name of a clothing line amounted to a violation of First Amendment as viewpoint discrimination. So, in attempting to explain why Pacifica didn't apply in the present controversy, the Federal Circuit wrote, A trademark is not foisted upon listeners by virtue of it being registered, nor does registration make a scandalous mark more accessible to children. Absent any concerns that trademark registration invades a substantial privacy interest in a tolerable manner, the government's interest amounts to protecting everyone, including adults, scandalous content. Ultimately, in opinion now being reviewed by the high court, the federal circuit held that the USPTO had offered no substantial government interest for policing offensive speech in the context of a registration program. The nexus between trademark and the vulgarity of words on broadcast hinges on the First Amendment and the forum in which the vulgar words are expressed. So while the Pacifica case has to deal with curse words on radio and, you know, the new case has to deal with curse words and trademarks, you kind of have this crossover because the Mm -hmm. Pacifica case is used as precedents, kind of a guiding, I guess, registration or what's acceptable and what's free speech and what's not. Exactly. And it's sort of like you can't have a different set of reasoning when it's all sort of the same pool of government trying to regulate um, vulgarity and scandalous marks and words and lascivious, I can't say that word, but y'all know that word, (laughs) them Mm -hmm. trying to regulate things that are like deemed too much or inappropriate for the public to consume. So it sort of will be a big deal moving forward because 
as Desiree said, with this Supreme Court case that's sort of pending right now, it'll be indicative of how marks are rejected or how they are accepted. And which is interesting because um, if you really dig into this case, we won't do it right here. But I mean, they talk about how you have like N words as part of trademarks, right? Like, um, NWA, like niggas with attitude. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was an accepted mark, mm-hmm. but like this misspelling of fucked right. is not appropriate. So yeah, it'll be really interesting because um Well that just lets you know that it's okay to call people niggas, but you can't call them <laughs> country cot suckers. <laughs> Speaking of speech again, free speech in California is also under attack. And this has to do with libel suits. So streaming service Film On, I've heard them before, but you probably haven't, has been given the green light to pursue a case for trade libel against Double Verify, a company that provides online media verification and campaign effectiveness solutions for brand marketers, agencies, advertising networks, demand side platforms, exchanges, and digital publishers looking to ensure quality advertising environments campaign transparency, and performance. So five years ago, Double Verify told advertisers that Film On was engaged in copyright infringement and adult content, which may not have been completely true. Um, And this is the content that they were saying Film On had on their website. Film On claimed it lost advertising revenue and was disbarred because of Double Verify's report, and thus it filed a lawsuit. However, Double Verify was able to initially escape claims, including torturous interference by invoking California's anti-slap statute, which is meant to deter legal actions that impinge on one's First Amendment activity. Y'all remember Y'all that, that. that slap uh, episode we did, right. slap motion. So recently, though, the Supreme Court of California decided that slap analysis shouldn't apply in this case. So a little bit of departure, what they thought was going to happen. And Filmon argued that since Double Verify was engaged in commercial speech restricted to a private audience, Double Verify couldn't take advantage of the speech protections under the catch-all provision of the slap law. The judge in this case has now stated that the commercial character of speech is not dispositive to the question of whether the slap statute is triggered and that the court must examine the context around statements in connection with a matter of public interest. So the impact of this case will have on free speech in California sort of hinges on the fact as to whether comments made in private, even in a matter of public interest, violates the First Amendment if it impacts the reputation of the company. So I think this case will be pretty interesting because, again, it'll impact all of the First Amendment rights at a state level Mm -hmm. in California and because it's been going on for so long and it's now at the Supreme Court in California, which they overturned the lower court and the appeal court. So, yeah, um, appellate court for those who might try to correct me. Yeah, (laughs) it'll be interesting to see how... um, because the slap um, law slash, you know, motion that you can make, it's still fairly new. And it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see if there's ever any attempt to ch- get the legislature to change that, see if it's being effective or not. So one case that I'm pretty excited about, I thought it was really interesting, was this new class action lawsuit about filming in a juvenile detention center. So let's get into a bit 
So a group of juvenile detention detainees at the Cook County Juvenile Temporary Detention Center, and that's in Chicago, mm-hmm. filed a lawsuit three years ago against 20th Century Fox for violating their due process rights when the film studio shut down the prison to film episodes of Empire. The juveniles claim that Fox repurposed the prison as a film set. The kids were allegedly confined into pods, had outdoor recreation eliminated, and denied schooling. Mm-hmm. Prison officials allegedly engaged in bulk transfers of intake detainees, overpopulated to the detention center, and stopped psychological screening to identify detainees who were at risk to themselves. Wow. In October 2017, U.S. District Judge Amy J. St. Eve rejected Fox's motion to dismiss. She ruled that the named plaintiffs, known as T.S. and Q.B., in the court papers had sufficiently alleged that Fox had induced a breach of government official duties towards the youth. The plaintiffs have also survived on a claim that Fox was unjustly enriched by its conduct. Present day, the juveniles have asked the judge to certify this case as a class action lawsuit that will represent an estimated 300 kids. Oh, wow. So if this gets to trial, the plaintiffs say they will show that the filming of Empire and a youth detention center was not rationally related to a legitimate governmental objective, which pretty easy right. bar, <laughs> <laughs> with experts testifying that the additional restrictions on movement and the overpopulation were detrimental to the youth. I can agree with that. Yeah. In an attempt to throw out the case as a class action lawsuit, Fox states in its own court papers that the filming was a one-off occurrence that has not been repeated and that there was no actual damages. Fox adds that some of the inflammatory allegations are false and that testimony from the plaintiffs in deposition show anecdotal and individualized harm. Further, though, Fox suggests that the plaintiffs trivialized the concept of civil rights violations, Mm. and they also paid $1,500 per day plus reimbursement of personal costs and out-of-pocket expenses for access to the facility. Who did that money go to? What the talk? Did you put that on each uh, juvenile's books and commentary? I'm like, so you paid $1,500 to the facility? Right. So it's like, uh, we can't even get into You the mix pit. in different gangs and all of this. That is a safety hazard. Uh, so anyways, the attorney for the juveniles fired back by saying imposing deprivations on kids uh, to film a television drama is not a legitimate exercise of government power. The law on this point is clear. It is pretty solid i think yeah there's no governmental interest in making money off the imprisonment or confinement of children exactly there's just no legitimate government interest there in my opinion we are not your attorneys (laughs) not your attorney (laughs) this is the breakdown breakdown fcc regulations The Federal Communications Commission regulates interstate and international communications by radio, television, wire, satellite, and cable in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and U.S. territories. An independent U.S. government agency overseen by Congress, the Commission is the United States' primary authority for communications law, regulation, and technological innovation. The FCC's rules and regulations are located in Title 47 of the Code of Federal Regulations, or the CFR. 
Federal law prohibits obscene, indecent, and profane content from being broadcast on the radio or TV. That may seem clear enough, but determining what obscene, indecent, or profane means can be difficult depending on who you talk to. Each type of content has a distinct definition. So obscene content does not have protection by the First Amendment. For content to be ruled obscene, it must meet a three-pronged test established by the Supreme Court. It must appeal to an average person's purient interest, depict or describe sexual conduct in a patently offensive way, and, taken as a whole, lack serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Indecent content portrays sexual or excretory organs or activities in a way that does not meet the three-pronged test for obscenity. Profane content includes grossly offensive language that is considered a public nuisance. Factors in determining how FCC rules apply include the specific nature of the content, the time of day it was broadcast, and the context in which the broadcast took place. Broadcasting obscene content is prohibited by law at all times of the day. Indecent and profane content are prohibited on broadcast TV and radio between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. when there is a reasonable risk that children may be in the audience. Because obscenity is not protected by the First Amendment, it is prohibited on cable, television, and broadcast TV and radio. However, the same rules for indecency and profanity do not apply to cable, satellite TV, and satellite radio because they are subscription services. And that was the breakdown. Talking about that breakdown just reminded me of a headline I read. I'm not going to lie and say I read the article. (laughs) Jada Pinkett Smith talked about how she, her daughter Willow was exposed to porn at a young age because she was addicted to porn and had an obsession. So Wait, so Jada Pinkett was addicted to porn? Jada Pinkett was addicted to porn. Thus, Willow saw it at an early age because Jada was watching it. That's so interesting. This family. Sometimes I'm like, do y'all really do this stuff or do you just make it up for headlines and stuff? Because they are just... It's like... You don't ever want to get into like someone's parenting skills, but it's like the things you tell us sometimes it's like, maybe you shouldn't have just told us that. Maybe you should have kept that to yourself and been like, you know, we've had our challenges, but we've overcome. But also to jump back onto that breakdown point that you Mm -hmm. were making is that I do want to stress that all of this stuff about the FCC's regulations, the last point that Desiree made, it only applies to radio and broadcast t- TV. So we're mm. not talking about your HBOs, right. your FXs, your um, MTVs. None of that falls under the FCC's purview in terms of um, the actual like day-to-day content. Some of it actually does when, if it gets to like children's programming. Yeah, and they, the timing and the timing exactly. in which it comes on. But so. in general, like it's, we're just focusing on broadcast television. So remember that the next time you get upset when you're like, they said this and this on TV and kids be watching. Well, are you watching a cable news? Right. Are you watching um, broadcast news? What are you watching? Exactly. That's and don't they, take your kids out of the country because some other countries, they curse all times of the day and not don't just care. curse. You be seeing <laughs> well, um, yeah. areolas <laughs> and bushes and... Oh, Whole, oh. Speaking of areolas and bushes, <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> Let's get into an update for you. 
Uh, Rover Carrington versus Viacom. We talked about this on an episode. I don't really remember what episode that was, but I couldn't tell you. But I remember when we talked about it because my face was twisted the whole time. Right. So I was like, "This sounds <laughs> crazy." <laughs> so last year we discussed a one hundred million dollar lawsuit brought by Rover Carrington about a purported corporate cover up and connection with an alleged rape by former Paramount CEO Brad Gray and alleged exploitation by former MTV chief Brian Graydon. So we'll just call him Carrington. The man, young man, claimed he was Hollywood royalty and the supposed great-grandson of Mo Howard of the Three Stooges. I don't know how that makes you royalty, (laughs) but sure, I guess. He claimed he was tricked into signing a non-disclosure agreement, or NDA as we call them, and blacklisted from the entertainment industry. With support of an attorney, the courts took the case seriously. But after U.S. District Court Judge Catherine Falia warned Carrington's attorney, Kevin Landu, about the potential ramifications of submitting fabricated evidence, emails documenting the alleged rape, including referring any fraud to prosecutors at the U.S. District Court of New York, Carrington lost his attorney. Mm. He said, I'm not risking my bar membership for you. Well, later, Carrington attempted to withdraw his lawsuit Mm. because he saw the writings on the wall. Same name, same name. Um, Nasty, put some clothes on, I told you. (laughs) You a bugaboo. We are out of pocket today. He, He attempted to withdraw his lawsuit, but the defendants weren't satisfied with a dismissal without prejudice. So they requested and got the go-ahead to conduct an investigation into Carrington's purported evidence. Uh, Okay. So ultimately, Carrington's evidence looked a little bit shaky, and the defendant submitted a referral to the United States Attorney's Office for a criminal investigation into Carrington. So while he was over here trying to get these dollars, now he might have a lawsuit against him, a criminal lawsuit, and serve some jail time. And this is so frustrating because it's like this is what this is the type of things that people use to discredit actual sexual um, assault victims, assault allegations. Mm -hmm. It's like you get this one prominent case of someone who seems like he was trying to just get some money or get some prominence back into the industry. And now everyone's like, well, look, look, they're, look, never, they're never telling the truth now. And it's like, shut up. And it's like, (laughs) clearly there was something going on with this person mentally to where he thought that he had to do this. And I'm not going to dive in much deeper into that, but it's like, you can't have that be reflective of the greater issue, which has been proven, which is the, you know, sexual assaults and, you know, indies proposals that yeah. particularly women, but men as well go yeah. through having, trying to get ahead in this industry. So this story is frustrating. And I hope if he lied about it, that they stick it to him. It's time for the pop culture roundup. Okay. But back to um, Bush's <laughs> Kim K famous Bush, <laughs> Reggie Bush. <laughs> Hope y'all not smoking, Bush. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, you guys, first, let me just say, it's one of the first warm days in New York. So, yeah, we just are just too excited right getting now. Getting our whole lives today. <laughs> but I want to highlight some Black women for their amazing contributions to Black people, the criminal justice system, and the things that they are doing. And I'm pretty sure for most of the work, it has 
being pro bono, if I'm not mistaken. The women of the Buried Alive Project, Brittany K. Barnett and my angel Cody, these two black women are responsible for the 17 inmates who have been released from prison that the media has given Kim K for. They have released a total, I believe, of 32, but- oh, 37. 37, but the media has credited Kim K for their release. And it's like, I understand why they would do that, but it's still not right. Like you still have to, you have to, if you're gonna report part of the story, you gotta report the whole story. And the whole story is that Kim saw something that she was interested in. I'm not gonna gauge how true that interest is, but she was interested in, and she wanted to give a spotlight to these people who were wrongly imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, fine. But like, also let's talk about the women who are doing the work. The lawyers. (laughs) Yes, the women who are Uh, lawyers who are doing the work, the black women. The black women, you know, they don't never give us our credit, but Kim K, I guess she's put money behind making this happen. So thank you for the coins. We appreciate you and what you have done. But it was, I think it was up to Kim also particularly because she is trying to be a lawyer as well to speak up for the media and tweet like she does everything else and say hey guys i didn't do this alone uh these two women Brittany and my angel have also helped me do this and the buried alive project is responsible for this and so i just think you have to give credit where credit is due because you wouldn't be credited as much for you know these great things that you are doing if it had not been for them absolutely um it's the key is to elevate the marginal voices while you're trying to do the good work because uh, as much as we need allies we need them to um allow us to tell our own stories absolutely so thank you again miss Brittany barnett and my angel cody and the buried alive project so there's a movie (laughs) That is um, talk. It is a white man who thinks he believe believes he gives great advice on the radio, and the reason that he cannot get a promotion to do this radio show, I guess nightly or weekly or whatever it is, because he's a mediocre old bartender white bum. Yes, he believes he has to be or they portray in the movie as the setup for the plot is that he has to become, it has to be a black woman. A middle-aged black woman has to be the person who's delivering this great advice. And so he puts on a voice of what the person he believes to be a a middle-aged black woman. And yeah, the tomfoolery ensues. Yes, uh, he pretends to be this ghetto hood black woman named Loquisha. You see him twisting his neck, girl, this, this, and that. And you, like Tyrone said, he can't get a job to do his advice because nobody's interested in him. He becomes Loquisha. And he really does this because his son needs to go to private school and it costs, I believe, $17,000 a year. So he's making all this money as Loquisha on the radio. I just, this is, please don't go hate watch this. Just give them no money. This is how yeah. you get them up out the paint. This when should you have them never dust. gotten funded. It should have never been at any of those film festivals. Whoever thought this was okay. People always think it's okay to imitate black women 
and not good parts of them. And ghetto can be good too. Obviously, it's good to be ghetto. It's trendy to be ghetto. Everybody can be ghetto except for black women. Y'all love Cardi. I mean, it's just a very... So I'm just so frustrated by this. We can never be ourselves. Right. We are looked down upon. We come in many different forms, many different facets, many different styles. They're loved in all ways. And everybody want to be black until it's time to be black. <laughs> and that, it and just that, makes me so freaking mad. I understand. I completely agree. And um, please, I'm not saying the name of that movie. Don't go see it. You know what the plot is. So when you see it's coming down your timeline, just click hide and just be right. like, I'm not going to even discuss this and give it any, um, you know, digital media hits or um, social media hits. Because right. they're going to be like, look, we're trending this. Don't make that shit trend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> make that shit tank. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated. So I don't have anything else to say. But um well, with that being said, visit um, our website, www.poplawpodcast. Let us know how you enjoy our new photos, the new layout of the website. Yep. And also while you're there, head on over to Poplog. Yes. We have a couple new posts over there. Um, one especially is about can you sue internet trolls? Mm-hmm. And so we talk about Devin Nunes and him trying to sue, sue the twitter trolls who have been <laughs> plaguing him for the past year or so as well as twitter itself so um yeah that's over there we have our newsletter, newsletter. Um, and then you know make sure if you haven't got tickets to afro and audios podcast festival podcast festival come and check us out there um visit all of our social handles at pop law podcast and make sure you subscribe to us on wherever you're listening wherever you're listening And with that said, please remember, we We are are not not your attorneys. attorneys.